You're listening to an audio sermon from Household of Christ. We trust that you will be encouraged and blessed as you listen to the Word of God. The importance of prayer and faith is mentioned 500 times in the Bible. But finances and money is mentioned over 3,000 times in the Bible. So it doesn't matter whether you lived in biblical times or in the Bible's times or now, it's still an important piece of our lives. The Word of God says money makes the world go round. Amen? But it's not the be-all and end-all of everything. It helps, but it's not what we're here for. We're not here for money. So today we're going to look at one of the secrets of a blessed life. Amen? We're in a season right now where we have opportunities. You know, Ecclesiastes, and we'll get to that scripture shortly. Ecclesiastes says time and chance comes to us all. And oftentimes we get opportunities to form part of certain things. And then it's our choice whether we want to form part of it or not. So it's our decisions that will shape our destiny. We just sang the song, Destiny Changer. Amen? So we know that God is a destiny changer. But He needs you to step and walk in certain things to enable you to let Him change your destiny. So today we're going to go over some scriptures and some stories and also look at various men of God and women of God that were very successful um, and blessed. And we want to see if we can extract those secrets of their blessed lives so that we can understand what is it that we can do to change our lives and change our destinies. You might only get one opportunity, you might get hundreds. You never know, but you don't want to miss that opportunity. And that's why it's so important to understand what it is. And coming back to my point years ago, I remember it vividly where the men at Men's Prayer asked the pastor to tell us how we should manage our finances. Because as fathers, as men, you've got a big burden on your shoulders or a big responsibility, not necessarily a burden, but a responsibility to care for your families, your extended families, if, you, if you're privileged enough to be the breadwinner in the house, there's certain things and certain principles that you'd want to understand to make sure that you don't miss the things that God has planned for you. So we want to be obedient in that so that we can understand. And it's not just men of God, um, as we'll see in the scriptures to follow. There's some woman that made key destiny decisions in their lives that changed the world. And that is still talked about and spoken about today and taught. Amen? So, you know, money is a sensitive issue. We know that. But why is it such a sensitive issue? It's because money has a spirit behind it. It's called mammon. Amen? So that spirit that money has behind it, oftentimes you'll see in your households, favorite topic for discussion and intense fellowship is often money. And, and if we understand the biblical things, we should start moving away from that thing that we're worshiping called money, that we'd rather worship the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's see what the Bible is telling us. So the Bible uses quite a few examples of blessed men and women. And it's for us to start to see what have they done differently, what enabled them to be blessed. So Father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they were blessed men. Amen. So we need to understand what that secret was. But the Bible will give us secrets in each and every area of our lives. And it's for us to dissect that and to understand where those secrets are. As you know, Job was also a blessed man. Back in the day when we calculated, it was 
let's say seven, eight years ago, we calculated Job's net worth just for his cattle and the animals he had between 40 and 50 million rand. So you can go and do the calculations now. It will be much more. You know how things have gone up. The prices have gone up in the last six, seven, eight years. You know, inflation, that type of thing. And he lost all of that. That's just his livestock. He also lost his family, his children, his property. He lost everything. But we thank God that because Job was a righteous man, God gave twice back. God restored back double. Now, if you look at restoration in the Bible, the minimum amount of restoration that's ever occurred is actually double. Amen? You know, when Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and you sow a seed in tears, you never know what you can reap in joy. Amen? Job's wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? Because she looked at the situation. Today we're rather going to see how we can shape our destiny, how we can change the things so that what we declare, what we do, what we act upon can bring restoration and blessing in our lives. So Jabez also, we know the story about Jabez. His name means he who causes pain. Jabez went and petitioned that name before the Lord and he said, Lord, will you indeed bless me and enlarge my territory and let me not be one that causes pain to others? And the Lord granted his wish. The Lord gave blessing to him. The Lord did increase his territory. But there's a reason for that. Because Jabez, once again, he was a righteous man. He was a man that could walk with the Lord. He understood the principles that Christ has laid before us through the Bible of how to get there, how to get you that blessing. Remember, oftentimes we just look at the blessing that the people have received, but we wouldn't like to walk the path that they've walked to get towards that blessing. Pastor is teaching us now a lot about, about how things work. Amen. That there's a process for everything. There's a process to get towards blessing as well. And no one says it's an easy process. But the process exists. So what is better to just camp in your situation or to follow the process and get out of it as Christ has planned for you? So David once again. David, a little shepherd boy, five foot something tall, this big, very small. In the natural He looked like an insignificant shepherd boy. Even his brothers despised him. They said, don't worry, when men go to war, you can just relax here and look after the sheep because we think that's what you're good for. But when the choice had to come for the king, when they lined up all the brothers and David wasn't there, the man of God said, I can't see the one that is missing. Who's missing from the brothers? And it was the little, short, incompetent-looking young David who eventually became the king. So it doesn't matter what you look like, what you feel your strengths and weaknesses are. Once your heart is bound to that of Jesus Christ, you're a majority. No matter what man sees, it's not about man's majority, it's about God's authority. Amen? So if God forms part of your life, you can act upon the authority of Christ Jesus. So looking at all these people, God is not a respecter of man. He can take the smallest person, the weakest person, the prostitute, the tax collector, and take them from where they are to where God wants them to be. To be from a murderer to a leader of people. Amen? So it doesn't matter what you are before you meet Christ. It's not where you come from. It's where you're going. God doesn't look at your past to determine your future. But this tells us that the grace, the anointing that the Lord Jesus Christ and God has put upon us is there for everyone. It's there for you And it's there for me. It's not for selected people. So it's just 
to understand how do we tap into that specific anointing. So God has challenged us at HOC as leadership, not to just bring sermons and talk about money, 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 money all the time. We know that the pastor's heart is all for salvation. And that's why he always preaches salvation. Amen. So money isn't the hot topic in our church. Salvation is the topic in our church. We know that money might be an enabler to get to the salvation. Like the scripture we opened with this morning, John 3.16 said, God isn't, didn't send his son, he gave his only son, not to come and condemn the world, but to come and save the world. Amen. So once again, everything is for salvation. When we have prayer lines and we counsel the people at prayer line, whether it's salvation, breakthrough, deliverance, healing that they need, we always tell them that all of this is for the salvation of your soul. We want God's glory to be restored in our lives. We don't want the money. We're not seeking his hand. We're seeking his face. So God is not after your money. God doesn't need your money. We know that the money that you've got in your hand right now was given to you by God. Amen. So God doesn't need your money. God wants your heart. We know that the hand is an extension of the heart. Amen. So if you know that you have to give and your hand is closing up, it's something that's happening in your heart. Amen. It's nothing wrong with your hand. It's your heart that regulates your hand. And we'll read through some of those scriptures as well. But just remember, God is after your heart. So God has made us life-giving spirits, not life-taking spirits. So therefore, God blesses us to be a blessing to others because we're life-giving spirits. If you understand that what giving is and how it should work, you'll understand that when you give, you don't give to get back. You'll understand that you've got to give. So it's blessed to be a blessing, not, not, not be a blessing and then be blessed. Amen. It's the other way around. So once you understand that principle, and once you know that Jesus is in your heart, and he has your heart, your giving will be easy. Your giving will not be in pain. Amen. Sometimes when you give, there'll be some pain and discomfort. Uh, you know, when people do sacrificial giving, because they know they're trusting God for something big. You know, then oftentimes, you know, there's some pain. But it's, it's the flesh that's screaming out. Amen? But in the spirit, things are unlocked. Things are opened. So let us quickly look at Genesis 8, verse 22. All right. So here's a principle that we can share. While the earth remains, in other words, forever and ever, while the earth remains, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, and day and night shall not cease. In other words, today we're going to talk about the second one, seed time and harvest. We know that in order for us to reap a harvest, there's going to have to be seed time. Amen. I just want to share with you something. You know, in the preparation, I just went and looked at the apple tree. So you know if you plant an apple seed that you can't reap pears or you can't reap bananas. Amen. So what you sow, you will reap. But the Lord works different to us. You don't sow a seed and get an apple with one seed. So he doesn't give back one fold. Amen. He gives back multiplied. So just, just what I've read up is a tree, an apple tree, its average life is about 100 years. Amen. And in that 100 years, every season, it could yield up to 500 apples. Okay. So you plant one seed, and for a hundred years, you'll reap 500 apples every year. And every apple produces at least 
seven seeds. So in, over the hundred-year life, for the one seed, apple seed that you've sown, the Lord will give you back 350,000 seeds. Amen. So imagine if those seeds are planted. Every year you plant the 500 apple seeds. It's 3,500 uh, apple seeds. Imagine what your harvest would be like. Okay? So that is just something that we need to look, look at. Because it's, call, it's called a crop ratio. Amen. So we need to look at what are the seeds that we are sowing. So you can sow different seeds. You can sow, like it works in the kingdom of God, there's always sin and there's righteousness. There's darkness and there's light. So when your seeds that you are sowing are rooted in light, your harvest will be in light. But when the seeds that you are sowing are rooted in darkness, the darkness will be returned to you in multiples. Amen? So imagine you sowing an apple in darkness. 350,000 seeds later, if they get planted, what are you going to sit with? Definitely not light. Lots of darkness. Amen? So if you're not sowing smiles, if you're not sowing love, if you're not sowing the, 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 the fruits of the Spirit, what is it that you want to reap? Amen. So make sure that you understand what you are sowing. So we're going to look at Galatians 6 verse 7. It says, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever man sows, that he will also reap. Okay, so it's a principle that God is teaching us, saying, what is it that you want to reap? You know these management books that says you start with the end in mind. So if you start with the end in mind saying, what do I want my crop to look like? What do I want my harvest to look like? Then I need to start sowing the seeds that match my harvest. Amen. So once again, God is not after your money, he's after your heart. He wants you to check your heart. Where we are right now, we're in a building project. Amen. And for those of you who haven't been to the site, who haven't been involved in the details of the project, might not understand some of the fire, the challenges that has been around that building. Amen. God says, I'll build the building by many or by few. Amen. The building will go up whether we like it or not, because if God says something will happen, it will happen indeed. Amen. So in this building project, each and every one of us have the opportunity to change our destiny. It's a time which may never come again. When we wait for a more convenient time to start sowing, that more convenient time will never come or might never come. Because what often happens is you sow a seed today. Tomorrow the washing machine breaks. The car breaks. Something happens. Someone passes away. You have to help with some money. Whatever. So... It's almost never a convenient time to sow. Amen. We know that seed time and harvest will always be there. We just went through the scripture. So we need to understand that we will always be tested in our obedience and our faithfulness. And we can decide whether we want to be part of this project, part of changing your destiny. By the way, what I forgot to tell you is this apple tree. It only starts producing fruit after four or five years. So oftentimes we think we want to sow a seed and reap tomorrow. It's not, it doesn't work like that. Amen. We know that this building project, some things that we're seeing manifesting on this building project right now are things that were prayed for 20 years ago. Amen. So God's time is the best. 
even when you start sowing, you must know that your time of reaping will come at God's perfect time. So the harvest will be ready when it's ready. The seeds that you sow are going to determine your harvest. Amen. So you always get more than what you give. As long as you understand why you're giving. God loves cheerful givers. There's a good description that pastor gave. Let me just quickly find it. Where it says how we have to deal with our selfish hearts. It says selfishness is the heart's attitude before you give. And grieving is the heart's attitude after you have given. If you feel selfish before you give, or you've given and you feel grieved afterwards, rather don't give at all. Because you want that giving to be a blessing to someone and also to change your destiny. So rather not give than give grudgingly or begrudgingly. Amen? So give with a good heart. But as I said earlier, once you've got Jesus Christ in your life and He has your heart, He'll also have your hand. So your hand will know when to give. So the thing is we must hear from the Lord where and where to give. So there's a scripture that's often quoted, Luke 6 verse 38. It says, give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And in our prosperity thinking, oftentimes we think that this is just about money. Oh, Lord, now I'm just going to harvest my harvest. This harvest could be anything. As we said earlier, that harvest can be you sowing darkness. Amen. So even that darkness, when it returns back to you, can be pressed down, you know, maximized in your life. So once we understand these things, it's, it's important to understand that the negative of these things are also true. So once again, just focus on how you give, what you give. Take note on how you act. Because how you act, how you talk, can change your environment. It can change the city, the community, the nation. Amen? If you look at our banner there, to equip every member for the work and the ministry. Amen? What it says is to win our community, city, and the nation. So everything that you do must be focused on the community, the city, and the nation. Is it building up? Is it multiplying and adding? Or is it dividing or subtracting? It's important for you to understand where is your rightful place so that you can act upon that. But your acts will change many more than what you think you're changing. So once again, when you want to judge and not forgive, you know how can you expect forgiveness to come to you? And that's why we say, you know, we must forgive one another as the Lord has forgiven us. Those are kingdom principles. So once we understand these kingdom principles, it will become easier and easier for us to actually execute and to act on these things. Amen. But we need God's grace. We need His strength, especially when it comes to things like money. So now the question is, how do you give? So we said giving to get will be wrong because you've already got to give. Everything that's in your hand, we said is a blessing from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. So your motives for giving must be right. You know, your motives must be there and say, you know what, I'm giving because Christ wants me to give. Not I'm giving because I feel self-righteous and I've got a few rand and I can help someone and give him openly. You know, because then you've already, the word of God says, then you've already received your blessing. The left hand mustn't know what the right hand's doing. So when you're giving, don't be shy to give without anyone seeing that you're giving. Because that's a test of your heart again. 
If you want that to boost your ego and, and boost your self-esteem, you're giving for the wrong reason. So look at what it is that you are giving. So why does God teach us concerning giving if he doesn't want anything in return? We know that God gave his son. There were no guarantees that we would become born again. So God gave unconditionally so that the world can be saved. But there were no guarantees. As we know, not everyone is saved. So everyone hasn't taken up that blessing that God has given through his son Jesus Christ. The way that you give must be without expecting anything back. God will bless. If you understand that God will bless you anyway and that you're already blessed, you wouldn't worry about the return on investment that you're making because it's not an investment, it's a blessing that you're handing out. So focus on that. The rich young ruler, he said, Lord, I'm doing everything. I'm obeying all the scriptures. I'm doing everything that's right. And the Lord said, okay, what you need to do is sell up everything and give it away. And he didn't do that because he wanted to serve God from his own strength with his own conditions. And we know that our Lord doesn't want us to serve him on our conditions. He wants the conditions of the word of God that's in the Bible to be met. So that is making the word the standard for your life. Not your own feelings, what you see, what you hear, what you feel. So the rich young ruler didn't understand salvation. The man at the gate beautifully was sitting there and he was just waiting for money. Silver and gold, silver and gold. Because he thought the end would be brought about by the money. He thought that his salvation and being better off would come through the channel and through the, the, the form of money. Little did he know that the end intended by the Lord is a lasting relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not about the money. The money is a means to an end. We know that Jesus Christ himself, while he was here on earth, he had the clothes that he was wearing. He had nothing else. But he had God. And he never wanted. He, he was never in need. Amen? Even when he was in need, when he was sent to the wilderness, Satan tried to come and challenge him on every area that he was in need for. But what did he use as his survival? The word of God. He acted and fought with his sword that the God gave him. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Amen? So don't worry. It's a message of hope. So our motives must be right. You know, so the rich young ruler, you know, he had his own conditions. So money can't buy you health. It can't buy you love. It can't buy you salvation. It can buy you things like bread, electricity, water. Yes, sure. But that's it. You know, it's like a doctor bringing things to treat your symptoms. But Jesus is the healer. It's a similar principle. Money can do a lot of things, but Jesus is what you're looking for. So in our hearts, we're made to be like Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus Christ was on this earth like God gave Jesus. Jesus just gave. He was here to serve. He was here to give. He wasn't here to come and receive. There's very few things that Jesus just came and received. Amen? So one of the things that he did receive was when the prostitute brought a whole year's wages of value in anointing oil. Amen. And the Bible says when she came to come and anoint him, she came from behind. Look at her method of giving. She came from behind. You can just see her. You know, she's humble and, she, and she's giving a whole year's salary to the man of God. Amen. To the son of God, our savior. 
But people looked in the natural and said, what are you doing? Are you crazy? We can sell that and feed the people. But the person saying that was the guy stealing from the coffers. So, you know, what is your real intention once again when you give? And if you think about what she did, she prepared the Lord Jesus Christ for his coming. She, she preserved him. She anointed him. Amen. So even in that giving, there was a deep spiritual connotation to it. It wasn't about the value of the oil. It was about the way that she gave, the way that she came before the Lord, that humility. Amen. So once again, when you go and give, don't come and say, I'm Mr. Man, I'm giving this, I'm giving that. What does it help? When you're a Christian, giving isn't something that you are. It's who you've become. Amen. If you think of many years ago when you grew up, when you're small, what the first words are that you actually say is mine, you know. You can see two youngsters, three, four, five-year-old, they just minor, minor, you know, it's mine. You know, give it to me. But when you become born again, that part of mine, mine becomes, it becomes ours. The Word of God says, when there are poor people among you, don't harden your heart, don't close your hand. Give to them. Don't give and then suffer yourself. The Word says there must be balance. Give in the times of your abundance, so that in the time of your needs, others with abundance can give back to you. So once again, it's a system of supporting one another. There are two times that it's very, very difficult to give. When you have a lot, when you have a little. So when you have a lot, pastors explain to us so many times how you can see how a rich person, a rich businessman will talk to his employees. Oftentimes it's harsh because that money sort of elevates that person to a level where he thinks he's better than the others. And that harshness comes out. The key thing is, with Abraham, with Isaac, with David, the people that had a lot, Job, who were blessed, there was one key thing. Money didn't have them. They had money. Amen? So don't ever think your bank balance makes you a better person than the person next to you that has nothing. So once again, the way that you give, the way that you use the funds that God has blessed you with makes a massive difference. What God values most is beyond human discernment. We know that what God values is what's going on in your heart. If you say that Jesus Christ is in my heart, what is happening with your hand? Amen. Pastor uses that analogy where he says, you know, it's the one guy's birthday, you like him a lot. You buy him a 500 or a 1,000 rand gift. And the next birthday is a guy that you don't like and you go into the five rand store. You know, so even those things will test your heart. It's just a test of your heart. Coming back to the building project, once again, your giving or your lack of giving will not stop the building project. Amen. But giving into the building project could change your destiny, you change your life. Even when we're on site and we walk on site, there's always a 150% commitment not to waste a single thing. To give you an idea, we've got spaces that you lift the concrete reinforcing bar off the ground. They cost roughly 90 cents or a rand each. It's a little plastic thing. It just lifts up the reinforcing bar before you pour the concrete. Even when those things are lying around, we said that can be the widow's tithe that you've lying on the floor there. Look after what we've got. And it's the same in our lives. That might be the thing, the widow's tithe, the widow's 
two mites that she gave is what changed her entire life. The Lord said, look at her. It got his attention. Look at her. She's given more than what the rich have given. Amen. Because she gave her whole livelihood. She gave where it mattered. And that is still, that story is still, you know, spoken about today. It's a destiny changer. Amen. It changed the entire destiny. Okay, so let's look at 2 Corinthians 8 verse 12. It says, For if there is a willing mind, if it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have, for I do not mean that others should be eased and you burdened, but by an equality, that now is the time for your abundance it may supply into lack, and their abundance also supply in your lack, that there may be equality. Amen. So in times where the God, have blessed you, God has blessed you with more than what you need, go and look for a place to sow. Amen. Because there's someone else waiting on the other side of your obedience. Pastor's taught us many times, he said, you know these guys standing at the robots, some of them have major problems, drug abuse, all those things, you know, at the traffic lights. God has not placed them there for anything else but to check your heart. Amen. You don't have to buy him glue, but you can buy him a meal. You can give him a fruit. You can give him a sweet, whatever. It's just once again that giving. You go come to a restaurant. You've got bad service. The guy's having a bad day. You know, in that, there's also an opportunity for you to give more than what someone deserves. Because that's what God is giving us. God gives us undeserved favor, which is called grace. Amen. So things that we don't deserve, we actually receive from God on a daily basis. So, you know, just at work, you know, when someone isn't sowing smiles, you can still sow a smile. You can act in the opposite spirit and show the love of God being manifest through you in your life. Job again, Job understood he was blessed to be a blessing. Job says, I became the eyes to the blind. I gave food to the hungry. When people were seeking shelter, I gave them a bed to sleep in. Amen. That is just showing in a more excellent way than just saying, oh, this is my bed, this is my food, this is my everything. He was there, understood a lot of things that probably we don't understand, that hasn't been revealed to us yet. But look at how he acted and why the word said Job was a righteous man. If you can read the book of Job, it says, and Job was a righteous man and Satan wanted to come and take him. But his righteousness never failed. Amen. Right, so let's look at the story of the widow with the two mites. Mark 12, verse 41 to 44. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw other people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. The one poor widow came and threw in two mites which make quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they put in out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. So once again, she understood certain things, you know, and she understood what was needed on a given day. We don't know what those two mites resulted in, how that could have helped someone. But you can just imagine the way that God works, how those two mites were multiplied to bring a harvest. The word of God says. The Lord will multiply. The seeds that you are sowing. So even before the seeds. Go in the ground. And start germinating to make trees. And fruit with more seeds. 
He multiplies the seeds that you are sowing. So imagine that. Imagine you've got a hundred seeds and before it hits the ground, it's a thousand, two thousand, a hundred thousand, a million. Imagine the exponential growth that can come out of that just because you've been obedient. Once again, we're going to look at not conveniently giving. Let's look at 2 Samuel 24 verse 24. Then the king said to Aruna, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. The principle there is, he was going to do something for the Lord. Amen. And someone wanted to give this thing for him for free. And he said, I will not offer the Lord anything that costs me nothing. Amen. So he saw that relationship in such a way that he wanted to bless. Amen. He wanted to give. He wanted to pay for it so that it's not cheap. It's not free. Amen. So principles again that we need to understand. So the principle I think that we should know is go and hear from the Lord that which you should give. You know, so there's also another principle, you know, uh, Ruth and Naomi. They could have split up and Ruth said, no, I'm going to stick with Naomi. You know, after her husband died, she stuck with her mother-in-law and she went with her to a land where she wasn't even welcome. And how the Lord works is the Lord placed her in the land of Boaz. And before she went to go, go and collect food in the field, Boaz said to his servants, Make sure that when you glean the fields, you leave more than enough for Ruth to come and pick up. And obviously the first time that Ruth was picking up from that field, when she came home, Naomi said to her, where have you been? You've been at a place, this is my version, but you've been at a place where there was abundance. This is not how things normally work. Once again, you know, the Lord laid upon his heart to leave extra for the widow. So are we doing that? Are we looking after the widows? Are we looking after the children that are father and motherless? Amen. Once again, that principle is to stay in the fields where you are picking up hands for. There are many churches where you can go and get seeds. And if you're visiting with us today, you know, and you're in a living church where you're picking up hands for, stay there, remain there. Because that is where the Lord has placed you. The Lord placed Ruth in Boaz's field. If God has placed you in HOC to pick up hands full, why would you run from that blessing to another place, going to look for different seeds? We know the principle is don't mix seeds. Be there. Make sure you know where God has placed you to go and pick up the hands full. Amen. And it might not be the household of Christ. Amen. Everyone has a church. Everyone gets planted in a church according to God's will. But if your will is that you planted here, stay here, remain here, pick up your hands full. Amen? Because in the time and season for you to pick up, there will be more than enough for you to pick up. Amen? All right, so Deuteronomy 15.7, we touched on it a bit earlier. The heading there says, generosity to the poor. It says, if there is among you a poor man of the brethren, within any of the gates of your land which the Lord your God has given you, you shall not harden your heart or shut your hand from your poor brother. And it goes on. The key thing is, ask the Lord to mince your heart. Ask the Lord to make your heart soft so that you help others like they should be helped. Helped with passion, with love. 
And when you help them without anyone knowing that they can, you know, that, that you can feel good about it. A cheerful giver that you can give cheerfully to others without anyone even knowing. Because God himself, he knows. The question is, if you're a convenient giver, you'll always wait more and more. It's not convenient now. It's not convenient. I just quickly want to do this at home. I quickly want to buy another fancy car. You know, the pastor shared with us before he started the church that they went out to go and work. Him and the mother went out to go and work. And at that time, there were certain blessings that were bestowed upon them. All of a sudden, the revenue increased sevenfold. But he said he knew that when that time came, it was not to buy another car, not to buy more clothes, not for this, but it was for the start of the church, which today is the household of Christ, by the way. Amen. So one man's obedience, like God sent his son, and millions came to salvation. Amen. So a man's obedience on earth We'll never understand the changes in the spirit. Amen. We can see where we are today. Imagine if the pastor went at the time and he was disobedient. What would have happened? Where would we have had our house today? Amen. We might have been sitting at home right now doing nothing, not being saved. All right. So there's another scripture in Deuteronomy 15. It's verse 14 that I just want to share with you. It says, you shall supply him liberally from your flock, from your threshing floor, and from your winepress. From what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. In other words, you're blessed to be a blessing. Don't doubt it. Don't even think about it. You are blessed to be a blessing. So ask the Lord today, Lord, deal with my selfish heart that I can break the ways that I've been working, that I've been giving. Deal with my selfish heart that I can actually change my attitude towards the Lord, towards giving, towards helping others. And not worry so much about me, but worry more about what I've been sent to do. In the membership classes, we also teach the people about blessing and giving. Amen. So there's a whole series that we give to the guys there, an eight-part series on Secret to a Blessed Life. But one of the main things that we teach them in their giving is just to make sure that in not expecting anything back, you still know that God is backing all that giving. Amen. And that your good works have been predestined for you by the Lord before you were even born. So that's what predestined means. It was there before you were born. So you have to walk in obedience in that predestined good works that God has planned for you. So God has planned it for each and every one of us. Let's hear from God. Lord, show me. Open my spiritual eyes, Lord, that I can see the predestined good works that you want me to do for you. Because acting on that obedience will change your destiny. Then one last scripture. Deuteronomy 15 verse 15. This is a very important scripture. You know, we all started at a place of sin. We all started at a place of rejection. You know, the past, the past is a bad place. It's a place of defeat and failure. This scripture says, You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore I command you this thing today. Never forget where you're coming from. Or where you've come from. Just know that it's grace and mercy that's taken you away there. The work on the cross has taken you away from the place of defeat and failure. Always have that in mind. Pastor always says you don't refer to your past unless it's going to glorify the name of God. But the instruction from the Lord is yet never forget where you come from. We all come from in Egypt. Let's not forget that.
So don't go and waste that which God has placed in your hand. Be a cheerful, generous giver. Be a happy giver because your heart belongs to Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio sermon. For more information, please go to our website, www.hoc.org.za. Household of Christ, loving God, loving people.